When you think of national security, what comes to mind? If you're like most Canadians, it's terrorism, right? Foreign adversaries seeking to do us harm. And while those certainly need to be part of any national security strategy, we've kind of entered a new reality where the most imminent threats, and as we've already have seen, are, are much, much different than the traditional national security discussion that we often have. Joining us now to get a little more into this is Aaron Schur, who is Managing Director and General Counsel for the Center for International Governance Innovation based in Waterloo Shells. Sorry, I apologize. I got that wrong. Uh, Aaron, thank you so much for joining us this morning. Appreciate your time. No, my pleasure. It's uh, good to be with you. You know, things have changed, right? When we talk about national security concerns, uh, the the old traditional concerns are still concerns, obviously, but things have changed. What should we be paying more attention to now? Well, it's a good question, and it's it's a simple question, uh, but it's actually deceptively complex. And here's what I mean. Um, our last national security strategy in Canada was done in 2004. So to say that that is out of date um, and long since forgotten would likely be the understatement of this conversation. The point is, is that there's emerging threats that we need to take seriously. As you said in the intro, terrorism is certainly a concern, but it's not the only concern. And there's a di- I would say there's a dynamic interplay between these threats that we need to be cognizant of. Biosecurity probably comes pretty close to the top of the list. Emerging technology. And then also economic security and the relationship between national prosperity, intellectual uh, intellectual property, how we build a prosperous country that's safe and secure, and understanding the economic dimensions of a complex kind of geopolitical game. Yeah, exactly. You know, when I think about national security, we hear about it all the time in the United States. If you pay any attention to U.S. news, they're always talking about national security. It's always part of an election campaign. It doesn't seem to be the same thing up here in Canada. Um, do we put enough focus on national security in this country? I mean, at the pol- at the political level, you're right. There's there's no constituency that votes for national either no. for or against national security, right? And I think this this owes to a, a bit of a, a bizarre way of thinking about the world in Canada. We we've been coddled. We we lived next to the United States. We've been under their security umbrella for a long time. That's that's changed. And I'll give you a for instance. Do you remember back when the pandemic first started and there was there was going to be a hold on the uh, the 3M masks, the N95 yes. masks. If you would have told me a year ago that the United States might constitute a threat to Canadian safety, I would have thought you were crazy. But nevertheless, here we are. So the point is, we need to update our thinking. And the reality is, you know, people are people are working from home during this pandemic. There's cyber threats. There's all sorts of things that are happening to actual people. So I like I got news for you. Uh, national security is a dinner table issue now, and we need to treat it that way. We need to have an open, frank, mature discourse in this country about the world that we live in, what it looks like, and what we want to do in it to make ourselves safe, secure, and as prosperous as we can be. Now, the things that we're talking about here, these emerging national security threats, since we haven't really spent a lot of time focusing on them or talking about them or addressing them, I imagine we're behind because these things happen fast, right? Are we way, way behind the curve on this in Canada? I mean, as I said, our our last national security strategy was done in two thousand and four. So that's that. Boy, like, boy. so the 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 short answer is, if you don't have a strategy, it means you don't have a coherent strategic framework in which to um, uh, exercise your various. Um, let's say, tactical 
mechanisms to um, to influence your place in the world, right? So, so yeah, we're behind. But the, the I think the the project that we're doing at at CG or the Center for International Governance Innovation is is a good example of how we can we can kind of bring some of the smartest people in the country together to um, to reimagine what national security can look like um, for Canada. So, so there are there are efforts underway, and you know, for what it's worth, um, Canada has a very 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 good public service. We've got excellent civil servants. Everyone is doing uh, the best that they can under trying circumstances. And what we're doing at CG is to try and help reimagine the framework and try and work with the smartest people across the country to bring this stuff, uh, bring this stuff to light and to to structure, as I said earlier, you know, a mature strategic conversation about the world that Canada lives in and what we want it to look like and how we can better influence the world around us. Now, the security agencies, as you said, we got a lot of good public servants. Security agencies, how, how are they in terms of being responsive to this um, new environment that we're living in right now? I mean, there's some question about whether they even have the mandate to to do some of the things they need to do, right? Well, that's, I mean, that's the trick, um, right? So we've got, uh, like, I'll get, uh, the CSIS or the Canadian yeah. Security Intelligence Service. That's, that's a, that's a good, uh, reference point. The, 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 the law that governs CSIS was actually written in 1984. Um, and so, you know, we, we will need to think about, um, some legislative updates to make sure that our agencies have the tools, capabilities, and capacities that they need because the world is a very, very, um, tough place right now. Um, and we would, we wouldn't want to, uh, necessarily limit our ability to engage and I won't I won't um, kind of go into the details but there's you know there's got to be a discussion about foreign intelligence mm-hmm. and sending, uh, and being able to collect what they call human or human intelligence uh, about about the world that's not threat related I don't want to get necessarily into the details of, of the legislative scheme around this because I don't want your listeners to go to sleep <laughs> but the point is is that we're we've got some antiquated laws on the books that are probably in need of a tune-up but it'd be best to do that in the context of a strategic framing right like the, to to take a step back, to understand the way that the world looks, to understand um, what adversarial states are doing, to understand what allied states mm-hmm. are doing, then to, to then to build from that strategic framing what your tactical capabilities are going to need to look like, um, and what the legislative amendments would need to be in order to um, to match those tactical capabilities with the world. What about producing the people to do this job? Do we do a good enough job? I mean, are, are we? sort of where do we find these people where are we going to come up with the next generation of people who are going to help us address these um national security issues well i mean so there's there's very little done in the um uh in the academy around national security it's just not something that we've we've really structured out properly in this country to build a pipeline but you know, again, the the the, the skills that you're going to need um uh in the 21st century like you know um uh i don't know what data scientists, behavioral scientists, uh, computer engineers, software engineers, like that we're building discrete pockets of expertise, but as you trying to, to, to have um, uh, an understanding of how you're going to build those capacities and those talents, how you're going to compete against the private sector for uh, highly skilled labor and high demand markets is going to be a real trick. And I'm not a human uh, human resources mm-hmm. expert, but simply simply would just say this, is that um, uh, we need to uh, ask our, our universities to do a good job about creating those talent pools that we're going to need to draw on, and it's going to be a range of diverse skill sets. 
Um, and the political, we touched on that earlier. Um, political parties just don't seem to be as engaged. Like, if you, if I think of all the election campaigns I've covered over the years, I don't think national security has ever been an issue. It's like it's not something that political parties in this country even mention during a campaign. Yeah, and I think that's a missed opportunity. And look, I mean, so CG, we're independent and we're nonpartisan. I, you know, I, we do not, we don't take a, a partisan political issue. I don't have a dog in, uh, in that fight. But I, I do think it's time to have a public discussion around this. And it should be, in in many ways, this should be policy without politics, right? Because it doesn't matter who's um, uh, who's in government. The the structural challenges that we face in the world are going to be the same regardless of of, of um, who has a majority uh, in the House of Commons. It just doesn't it doesn't matter for the outside world. What does matter is having a strategic understanding built by the best experts based on the best mm-hmm. evidence that we can about how we're going to um, uh, act in the world and how we're going to uh, kind of protect ourselves in this this um, kind of emerging threat environment, also with a view to looking at the relationships between things. Like the example I often give is Huawei. Right, you tell me, is Huawei a foreign policy problem, an economic security problem, a telco problem, uh, an innovation and prosperity stack issue, a cybersecurity problem? Well, it, it's a bit... It, it's all it's of the above, right? right? It's, all, it's all of the above, right? And so trying to understand the interrelationships between these issues um, and to frame them in a strategic way to to better to better uh, uh, understand how we can engage in the world, and then doing the legislative tune-ups, and then making sure that those capacities are built. That's that's what we're talking about, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and we're behind the curve on this one. Interesting stuff, Aaron. Thanks so much for your time. My pleasure. Good chat with you. Yeah, appreciate it very much. Bye bye. Aaron Schull, who is um, a managing director and general counsel of uh, the Waterloo, Ontario-based Centre for International Governance Innovation.